you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Saul. Brock Heward and Mark, Matt, Marcus. Sorry about just Mike. Mike. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Where's like the buff dudes at? Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Saul. <laughs> All right, we had to move some things around today just due to some uh, stuff Jerry had to do down at spring training. And so uh, a 9 o'clock interview with Jerry DePoto today. In fact, we'll start that right now. The Jerry DePoto Show, presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Good morning, Jerry. Good morning, folks. How are we doing? We're good. It sounds like the weather has uh, significantly improved down there since we left. Yeah, we're now creeping into the low 80s, which is lovely, and the evening games are uh, are are a little brisk, but very comfortable. It's, okay. it's solid. It's spring training. A lot of talk about the uh, the beanie you were wearing last week on with us. It, oh, it, big time. Went viral, Jerry. I don't know if you know that. a viral sensation as people were uh, curious about the hat, and then I started talking about how you took the hat off and your hair immediately sprang back into place, whereas I took my beanie off and I looked like Yahoo Sirius from Young Einstein. So... <laughs> My hair grows straight up. You know, it's, it, there's, it's somewhere between, you know, it's a, a, a John Hughes movies from the 80s and, and maybe Yuli Gurriel. But uh, I'm, it's, it is what it is. I, I'm, I'm comfortable with my hair. What do you use in there? I mean, what keeps it so perfectly in place? Yeah, actually, there's, in spring training, I come to the ballpark as is, you know, and I, I get my workout in and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll take my shower. There's a little bit of uh, like a, uh, a styling wax that I'll use for, mm. for lack of a better way to term it. Okay. It's, uh, it's not a lot. The hair sticks up naturally on its own. Mm. Some guys have all the luck, Brock. It's just not right. Yeah. Major league pitchers. Right. Got Presidents. a major league arm, president uh-huh. of an organization. Uh-huh. But better than that, his hair just grows straight uh, so up. So, Brock, I believe, Jerry, you'll love this. The term that was coined was Jerry Dripoto. Oh. For the, for oh, drippy. Drippy. Are you familiar with drip? <laughs> I, I am familiar with drip. I am not familiar with Dripoto, but it's a, <laughs> I can make it work. Hey, all right, let's talk a little bit about your team rather than your hair. Uh, and we'll start with your young pitchers. Logan had his first start. Kirby had his first start. Neither were spectacular. And then we saw Logan kind of bounce back quite a bit yesterday. Where are you on the the sort of slow roll, the slow development of those guys this year? Uh, I, nothing stands as out of the ordinary. We're seeing with all our pitchers, you know, the, the, between the first and the second, or even in some cases with our relievers, the third outings, we're starting to see velocity creep up whereas with the the starting pitchers we're starting to see command and and quality of secondary pitches improve that's what spring training's for and you know we're we feel like we're right on target for having the guys ready from you know from an innings or in spring training what we reference as an up down you know just getting a guy up and down in the game out there for that third time through the line or the third inning uh you know that that's the goal at this stage for guys like Robbie and Marco and, and the rock and with George and Logan, we started a little later, so it's not quite as far along, but we think they're in a good place. You know, one thing that struck me, Jerry, maybe surprised me the most being down there and seeing everybody work over the course of the week was how hard these pitchers went. 
And, and, I, and I don't know if that is different now. I don't know if I just was totally uninformed. But, you know, we watched him throw a bullpen, and my thought, and I think some people's like, oh, they throw a bullpen, and then three days later they throw a bullpen. That's not the case. I mean, Flexen and Marco are getting after it, and they're doing long toss in between, and they're throwing, you know, the weighted balls. And a lot of the guys, obviously, with all the driveline technique, are, are continuing to be very active. I, I, I don't know. I, I didn't see a ton of babying of arms I saw a lot of guys just really working and, and getting after it. Is is that different today than it was in your era in the 80s and 90s, or has it kind of always been that way? Yeah, it's, I, I would say it's something in between those two. But, you know, what we do now is is so focused on arm care. And, you know, when you are going to throw – baseballs at the high velocity that today's pitchers throw and and it's never been what it is today there's so many pitchers today that that throw the ball 95 to to 100 miles an hour and in order to do that you have to prepare your arm to be able to withstand the rigor of it and and that includes more long toss more arm prep you know harder but shorter throwing sessions. And, and that's generally what we advocate for. And, you know, our guys throw regularly, you know, at, back in the nineties, we would come to spring training, would throw a bullpen every second day and, and, uh, and you ramp up into your innings and that's that. And, and here it's a, a much more regimented program where we're trying to, to prepare the, the pitchers to withstand the kinds of velocity and spin that they're going to create and, you know, it's more frequent, but shorter sessions that I think are, are preparing. Well, at the top of that, and you mentioned him, The Rock, and, and you know, we've looked at his you know spring numbers over the years, even some of his starts, Jerry. And, and I know that you had referenced to Salk and I, oh, I don't know, this offseason saying, yeah, it was 16 games on paper between us and the Astros. But let's really, you know, do a deep dive and look at when Cal Raleigh and when, you know, the, the Rock came aboard and, and how different it was, you know, when you were that team and that complete team in the second half of the season. Well, that's going to require Luis coming out and maybe being a little sharper than he's been in some of the years past. Is he going to, with your guys' guidance, take a little different path ramping up to that first start of the season? Yeah, sure. Hope so. You know, and right now his secondary pitches are a little bit further along than we would have anticipated. Um, there's his command is spring training ish command right now. And, and his velocity, like with the other guys, I guess not named Robbie Ray, it's, it's speaking up as we move along. And, uh, you know, I, the rock came in as a little further along than we would have anticipated based on some of the feedback that we got during his time with the Reds. And, you know, he's, we've talked about this as we talked about with, with Felix in, in years past, you know, his, his off season is about rest and recovery. And he typically doesn't start throwing until later in January. And I think he got after it a little bit earlier this year in terms of throwing. We'll see if that translates into, you know, more productive, you know, uh, outings in the early season. But, you know, if we get those 25 to 32 starts that, that he has historically delivered, I'll take them whenever they come. Hey, Jerry, I asked Shannon uh, about this guy yesterday, and it's somebody that I know you guys uh, targeted this offseason and brought in, and we haven't talked a lot about him on this station necessarily, and quite frankly, I barely noticed him while we were down there, but that's A.J. Pollock. What have you seen so far, and what can we reasonably expect? He's been great, you know, and, and I, he's been particularly 
exceptional in his prep and his adjustments to the things we do as opposed to, you know, maybe where he was a year ago. And, you know, so many of the programs we, we run, and this is true of 30 teams, it's just a little bit different than what other teams do. And, and AJ bought in immediately to, to the things that we find to be high value. He's, he's been an advocate for them in the, in the cages, out on the fields, with the younger guys, I, his work habits have always been standout, and he's been great in the clubhouse. Uh, I, there's the other thing with AJ, in addition to you know his I guess proficiency or general excellence over the years versus left hand pitching, is that you know he's really only had one down year, that being last year against right hand pitching. It's a, he's it, uh, we talk about him, and and I'm quick to I guess to to profess his quality against left-hand pitching. He's got a long history of being good against righties, too. <laughs> and and uh, so far in spring training, he looks very comfortable against both. He's handling the breaking ball well. I know he's spending some time in the cages uh, on the machines facing right-hand pitching, and I think that's a, a, it's a real positive for me that he's not walking in thinking this is no chance for me to go out there and, and play regularly, and, and it looks like that. Do we got a new A-Rod? <laughs> We we do have an A-Rod, he's, and he's in great I, – I will say, he is one of those that showed up in the shape of his life. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, by the way, I ran into – I ran – was it Skyler? Is that who, who it was? The, the, the yeah. best? I ran into Skyler, and then I was, of course, doing what a left-handed middle child does. I was stirring it up in the, in the research and development room, and I was really kind of stirring, trying to – and, and there's still some of those guys stung by that. You know, they're not feeling oh, they're, that they're, they're very stung. They're very stung. As a matter of fact, I, I said to one, uh, one of our analysts, when he showed up for spring training, I won't out him, but you know, I did say to Spencer when he, when he walked in the door, you look phenomenal. And, and it looks like you spent your entire off season being athletic. <laughs> but, uh, you know, there's, they, I love the fact that they're competitive, but you know, in the, in the world of, Who's great at intramural sports? I think we've we've uh, we've all come to to agree that that Skyler has separated himself from the rest. So tell me about this A Rod that's delivered now a couple different times. When we were down there, I think in the late innings, he had a a big hit to to, to get a victory. Yesterday, he's got the two run home run late. Tell me about this Alberto Rodriguez. Uh, Alberto, if you recall, we picked him up in the summer of 2020 in a in a, when we sent Taiwan Walker to Toronto in a deadline deal. And uh, he's since played at the A-levels for us. And, you know, 2021, Alberto Rodriguez really stood out for what he did uh, on the field, quality of contact, performance at a young age in a, in a faster league. And then last year he struggled a little bit with promotion and didn't go quite as easily for him. And he's now on the 40-man roster or was, and, you know, the clock was ticking. So this offseason – we, we moved him through waivers in anticipation of him not being ready to make the jump to the big league and not wanting to burn, you know, those last options. So we were fortunate enough to get him through. He showed up in great shape. Uh, he's played a very good defensive outfield, uh, mostly in right, but can also play left, swings left-handed. And his quality of contact this spring has been fabulous. And he's, he's had two really big, what I would call mature at bats to end games that, or near the end of games that have been, you know, the kind of stick with you and you talk about the next morning at the meeting. 
Hey, I, one thing we always hear is that pitches don't move necessarily the same way in spring training in Arizona as they would later in the year, whether it's the heat or the dry desert air or whatever, the sliders don't drop as much, et cetera. How does that change the way you evaluate pitchers and or hitters as you're trying to figure out where everybody's at? Uh, you know, it's, hitters are usually going to have an advantage in Arizona spring training, particularly early. Uh, pitchers are going to have a difficult time with consistency with their breaking ball. And it's a, it's a combination of, you know, the drier air makes the grip tougher to get and, uh, or, you know, that tack in your fingers tougher to, to really get into. And the balls are just a little bit harder uh, because of that, that dry air. So uh, you try to remember that the breaking ball isn't naturally uh, as, as crisp or as consistent as you're going to, to see it once the, the weather starts to warm, like it's happening right now. And, uh, but, you know, velocity, fastball, carry, command of, of your fastball is generally representative. So you, really what you're doing is you're taking breaking balls with a grain of salt for the first couple of weeks and, and understanding that hitters do have an advantage in this environment. Hey, Jerry, we did not really see Tommy Lastella while we were down there. And I know he's still working his way back. I can't even say that I don't remember even bumping into him or, or seeing him necessarily. Where is he at right now, and where is some of that backup with with Demo still working his way back? Where is some of that backup, third base, second base, shortstop? Where is that in Infield the process? Depth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like again, it's as good as we've had. You know, Sam Haggerty has played all over the infield already. He's played some third base and made some plays that that frankly we wouldn't have anticipated him making at third base. But this is as healthy as Sam has been, you know, bodily and particularly arm-wise, as, as at any time since he's been a Mariner. And, uh, you know, Demo is, I would say, based on the information we're getting back from his, his rehab program, is he's closing in on, on playing. He's now at full go on the backfields and, and uh, running, changing direction, all those good things. So still trending toward being ready for opening day. And Tommy is going to DH today in the in the game today. He's in a throwing program. We're hopeful that he can start playing defense uh, by Monday, if, if not sooner than that, but minimally by Monday or early next week. Um, but he's ready to start taking that bats and, and prepare himself. So he should also be uh, ready for opening day. And you know, beyond that, like every other team, you if if you if it requires you go to the fifth, sixth, and seventh person on your depth chart uh, coming out of spring training, you're probably going to feel like you're a little short. <laughs> and and I'm imagining that that 29 other teams would feel the same if if uh, if you were assuming that that four players weren't going to be ready. But we're not making that assumption. We well, think they'll be ready to go. And bouncing around the league, we're starting to see some starting pitchers that are already dropping off. You know, opening day rosters. Has that has that changed or heated up the trade market at all as you're communicating with other folks in your business? No, not at all. Uh, you know, right now it's still very quiet in that regard. Most teams are still assessing what they have internally, and you know, and, and like us, you know, it, when you go out and watch us play right now, you get excited watching the Perlander Barroas and the Bryce Millers and the Emerson Hancocks and and, and what they're doing, and it's it's not difficult to squint as a front office and say, okay, if we get to this point and, and these guys get pushed into action, we're confident they can do it. And, you know, and two weeks from now, when you're actually staring at opening day on the horizon and you're in that position, you might feel a little bit differently based on, 
you know, the, the stress that that would put on those young players and, and having to, to develop in double time. So um, I, nothing yet in terms of, of activity on the, the trade market or any change in that regard, but I think it's because teams are looking at their versions of those young pitchers in the same way that we would. Uh, we, Salk and Shannon and I, were all in one accord, which doesn't always happen. We were not, you know, not very often. We're all in agreement on something. But we just bounced around the ideas. We're starting to see these batting average numbers tick up just a little bit. And and uh, in, in whether that is, as you said, just the advantage that spring training hitters have early on or not, we'll see. Or whether that is the shift and, and some of the things that have come into play. But we kind of bantered about who we thought this year in 2023 would end the Mariner season with the highest batting average. Salk, Shannon, and I all came to the same person, same agreement. I'm curious who your answer would be on that. Uh, it, it, to me, there are two potential uh, great answers to this one, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was one of four or five. But I'd say your your discussion is probably between Ty France and, and Julio. And it's, uh, you know, Ty, is uh, as a right-handed hitter, is an all-fields guy. And I think with the exception of the second half of last year when he was really banged up, has always been a bat-for-average hitter. And, and that's even in a time where, where you're able to relocate defenses uh, and Julio is just a naturally awesome hitter. So I, I, those are the two that I would, would put down if I had to pick who's going to be your best bat for average. I like that description of Julio. I think we may use it just naturally awesome. Uh, the other name was, was Pollock who's hit over 300, I think a couple of times and in and around that area. If he gets enough at bats, I would think he could be in that conversation as well. Oh, for sure. Yeah, AJ's AJ's been that guy and, He'll have the advantage of, you know, like with J.K., uh, of not naturally always having to face the tougher right-hand pitching. Right. And, uh, so it's, in theory, that helps prop up that batting average, too. But I do think you're seeing it with the, some of the restrictions on shifting, especially with the left-handed hitters. We have seen so many balls go up the middle or in that, you know, kind of the, the, the four hole between the first baseman and second baseman that for what seems like a decade they've been outs and in spring training they've been hits and and actually it's pretty refreshing to watch there's there's more activity in the game so i was reading shannon's uh piece yesterday and she had scott talking about that with kelnick and and specifically saying hey instead of leaving the field oh for three he ends up leaving one for three he doesn't crush the ball but it goes through that hole between first and second and the next thing you know it's not a bad day for him and he looks up and his average instead of being zero is 333 for the day I, you know, of all the people, I would think I just look at Kelnick and think about the new rules between a shorter time, a shorter time to think in the batter's box, the ability for more hits to go through and then what that can do for his confidence. And then with his speed, what what whatever changes with the uh, with the base running, I would think he would benefit from these rules as much as anybody on your team. Oh, I think so. I, I think there are three real gainers on our team with the, the restrictions uh, that, that currently exist with shifting. And it's JK, it's Cal, and it's JP. Uh, you know, I think those three guys in particular will benefit. Um, JK has pulled so many balls hard to the right side of the field. And I can say the same about Cal that have just turned into outs. And, uh, and, and JP hits more balls on the ground. Than, than most of the other hitters in our lineup and typically resides on that kind of middle to pull 
trajectory. So I, I think those guys will benefit in ways that others won't. And you're seeing it now with JK and even, you know, using last night as an example, it's all right. He didn't chip in a hit, but he took his walk. And and when you go through the, the, the maturation process, understanding that the, the single in the hole, the taking your walk, those are ways that you're contributing day in and day out. And, and we used to talk about it all the time when I was developing as a front office person. You, uh, you have to stay rooted to, to the ability to get on base. And if you're taking your walk, if you're chipping in your single, the damage is going to start to come. And then all of a sudden, what looks, you know, what we would qualify, the, the OPS, the, the overall look of, of that player's quality is going to be right about where it should be. If on, if on your down days, you're finding your single through the hole or your walk. Have you seen these numbers on uh, on spring training at this point to uh, compared to this point last year? Time of game is down from over three hours, 301 to 236. Runs per game are just up a tick. Stolen bases are up, almost one stolen base attempt per game. And then this was the one that jumped out to me. The batting average on, on ground balls is up from 235 to 258. That's going to have, I would think, an enormous effect on the way baseball is played this year. Enormous. And most of the things you just mentioned, you know, especially when we talk about the balls in play average and, and stolen base attempts, uh, were things that we anticipated. I will say that the most refreshing part of this and, and something we wouldn't have anticipated being quite as dramatic as it's been is the time of game. And. Uh, I, I'm able to make my dinner reservations for a little bit earlier. <laughs> it's a, it's an amazing thing when you're you're there and the, you, you look up and you're an hour and a half and you're in the seventh inning and <laughs> and it's a it's so crisp and and the game is being played at a speed where it's it 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 flies by and you're you're left excited the entire time and. You know, it's a. I think we'll get over some of the the wonky in-game. You know strike calls on a hitter for stepping out or a pitcher for holding it's you know it, it's just a little bit to get used to but it, it's refreshing to watch base runners attempting steals you know we're we're going through inter squad games here in the mornings now with our minor leaguers and and we're urging them to go at that just go time the pitcher up and run and find out what you're capable of because you know some of the new rules are going to benefit you know players who can steal bases. And we have, you know, between Colton Wong and, and Dylan Moore and Sam Haggerty and Julio Rodriguez, even Teoscar Hernandez, and AJ Pollock, these are guys that oh, can go on. steal a base. Hold yeah. on. That's mm-hmm. now you're leaving a name out there. And he told us at least off the air that he was going to get at least three bags this year. And that's and Ty tr- France. And he tried one yesterday. Yeah, he took I, your advice. I think he'd probably be a little upset that you left him off that list. Yeah, I think Ty might lead our league and lead our team in hitting, and I think he's got a chance to be a batting champ. <laughs> hey, if, if there have been calculations, my last thing, Jerry, before we let you run, thank you again, as always, for the time and even moving it around today. Uh, has Mr. Stanton calculated how many less grasshoppers, hot dogs, and beers are going to be sold in a two-hour and 25-minute game versus three-hour game? I, I don't know the answer to that. And I, okay. I, I don't even know how you would begin to quantify how many grasshoppers are consumed on a given day, but... <laughs> You know, I do think that, that the fans are going to enjoy the, the pace of play and the crispness at which we're, we're it's, it's amazing watching what's happening here. And, and the players seem to enjoy it as well. You know, it's, it's something that generally gets a lot of positive feedback the next day in the clubhouse. Kraken, quiet at the deadline as a general manager for all the years, Jerry. 
What do you make of a team that is in a playoff position doing zero at the deadline? So as I said to my, my good friend and fellow Kraken enthusiast, Pete Fortune, in our clubhouse, I tried to remind myself every day through the, the NHL trade deadline, they know how to do their job better than I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and I do think, and I've mentioned this in, in weeks past, I do think that you know, the Kraken are not built in a very dissimilar way than we are. It's about depth. It's about being able to, to string together you know, four lines and, and you just keep on coming. And, and that's the way we see ourselves as a team that just keeps on coming. And, and I think that's pretty reflective of the way the Seahawks are built as well. And, and, uh, you know, I respect it. I like our team. Uh, actually, I love our team. And, you know, I don't know if, if the, the, the quiet deadline really represents how Ron Francis thinks about the Kraken. I know it's, it's certainly not how I do. I like our team. Pretty cool. Jerry, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. All right, there you go. Jerry DePoto a little later today as he had to move some things around with what was going on down in Peoria, but uh, certainly a lot there. Ty France going to lead the team in hitting, maybe. <laughs> Doesn't sound like he's much of a stre- uh, threat to steal too many bases. Going to take a real quick break. We'll come back. we got a few minutes, and then we'll do some ranking at 945. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710. This is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. Well, always good to hear from Jerry DePoto. And yeah, kind of like our talks with Pete Carroll, they do tend to make the world seem right a little bit, right? You hear Jerry talking about his young pitchers, and he says, yeah, not concerned at all. Feel great about where they're at. Logan Gilbert and Matt and George Kirby, rather, and sort of just working themselves into their ups and downs and feeling really good about sort of where they're at as of today. You ask about the infield depth, which I get it. I do think that is a little bit of a concern. And he says, nope. Not really. Like, we feel really good about it because they see where Dylan Moore is at and where Haggerty is at and where um, and where Listella might be at as well. And so they start to see some of that depth starting to return. I'll, I'll uh-huh. wait and see on that and kind of see where it goes. The only thing he said that surprised me, and I guess it makes sense, is as you're starting to see a couple of pitchers and a couple other folks done for the year that it hasn't really heated up any of those conversations yet. Carlos Rodon, new Yankee, injured today, forearm strain, going to miss the beginning of the season. You know what I think when I hear forearm strain, Brock? That forearms have a really nasty habit of turning into elbows and UCLs and eventually Tommy John. So... Like, did they already lose the pitcher they traded for last year as well from the A's? They sure did. Uh, I'm blanking on it. Tommy. Uh, uh, no, uh, Montas. Frankie Montas. There you go. Right? So, yeah, all of a sudden, yep. if the Yankees are down two pitchers, you're telling me the Yankees don't have an interest in Marco Gonzalez or Chris Flexen if right. they're down those two guys? Right. Of course they would. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I I get it. Everyone sort of has their own Bryce Millers, their own Prelander Baroas that they're kind of fascinated with right now. But if I know anything about the culture of the New York Yankees in particular, the moment opening day rolls around and they have somebody that no one's ever heard of in their starting lineup and their starting rotation, yep. uh, panic. And yep. we'll see where what direction that ends up leading. Do you uh, help me understand, and I think a lot of the audience as well, Tommy Lestella, as I, as I said to him, is a name that we didn't talk about. I don't even know who he is after being down there for a week. I couldn't point him out on a, you know, on a roll call whatsoever. Is he someone that they are and need to be counting on on this roster? Is a legitimate Listella? No. 
Well, and to be fair, you don't. You could did you just who me? Tom yeah, Murphy or Marco Gonzalez. So I'm not surprised you couldn't point out Tommy Lestella. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. If Tommy Lestella doesn't Justin. make this team, oh, it's Justin. just fine. <laughs> do, do you want to go, Justin? This, oh, ba- wow. this is back to back. I know. This is back to back days. It's that a you unfortunate. Our our, uh, our our show is starting to devolve into a two on two. What is happening here? What is going on? No, you just hooed me on Tommy Lestella. Well, that's sort of for good reason. Like who? If Tommy Lestella doesn't make this team, they'll be just fine. Honestly. You're good with Demo and, and Hagerty well, being a... money. Let's start there. They didn't give him any money. He was cut by the Giants, so you're only giving him the major league minimum. So if you cut him, there's no harm, no foul. Okay. Secondly, if he doesn't make the team, that probably means Cooper Hummel does. And as we've heard, they've started to play Hummel a little bit at third, in addition to his ability to play the outfield and be a third catcher. Quite frankly... I think I'd rather have Cooper Hummel than Tommy Listella. Okay. Just kind of whisper that. I don't want to say yeah. it too loudly. Okay. Uh, Listella, as I told you, is the one signing of the offseason that I didn't love. He'll probably go on to hit 350 with 25 home runs and be the star of the team. Of the team. Uh, but yeah. I, I. Was Hummel the Kyle Lewis? Was he the yes. Diamondback? Yep. Yep. Third catcher who can really hit, and he can play a little outfield. And has had some talent, has been thought of, but has never really developed, has never really... Well, he was just in the minor leagues forever. He was one of those guys that took forever to to kind of come Mm -hmm. around. But, you know, he's had a little success in the major leagues, and if he ends up being the last guy on the roster instead of of Tommy Listella, I don't think I'm going to be disappointed at all. So, not that I'm not curious to see where it goes. I mean, I would have, as I think I told you, preferred to see that spot go to a... Brandon Belt or a uh, or J.D. Martinez, not that he was excited necessarily yep. to come here, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't think anything changes if Tommy Listella doesn't make your team. Okay, so I kind of buried the lead. I apologize. What do you take away from his Luis comments? What that is breaking balls ahead of where it you know they thought it might be, and yeah, yeah I mean he sounded fairly happy about Luis. Well, he, I also he also kind of slid in there. Maybe I misheard this, but he said, you know, we'll take those twenty whatever eight to thirty two starts wherever we get them. Like if that if that means they're a little bit more on the back end of the season because that is mm-hmm. just the way that that guy rolls that he is just not going to crank and step on the accelerator until you know I mean he just knows himself and he knows his body and he knows what he's got to do so I I read into that a little bit like okay you know we're not necessarily expecting what you and I are expecting and that is right game one take the ball uh, I want to see New York Yankees you know eight innings shutout ball shove it in no, hundred on think that I'm expecting report. that either. I- I'm not expecting that in week one. I think what I'm expecting is don't get in a hole. I'm not talking week one of spring training. I'm no, talking I about I mean, opening one, day. No, I know, opening day. I'm not expecting that either. I'm just expecting don't get in a hole. Don't start off the year with a four and a half ERA that then you have to dig out of. You may not be Cy Young starting day one, but let's let's make the the floor a little bit higher than it's been. Okay. And if that's the case and they can get his breaking ball up there a little bit better earlier in the year and he comes out. I mean, the bigger question is, is he going to throw 95 to 98? And and if that I didn't want to ask Jerry about that yet because mm-hmm. you're only what two starts in. Well, he said he's going to tick up that he's right. sitting there. Everybody save for Robbie Ray. Is throwing ninety one, ninety two. They're not, you know, Kirby's not, first start, Logan's first start. Absolutely. So I'm not going to ask Jerry about that. But in a couple of weeks, if we're not there yet, I think it's a real legitimate question to ask. Of okay, when are we going to see the normal velocity okay. out of the guy that you're counting on to be your ace? I got to say one more thing. Okay. I just got to get this off my chest, and, and it's yes. going to bother you probably. And I'm sorry, but maybe it won't. Maybe you'll feel. I, I don't like the rock. I much rather have the Spanish, I, the like Rock, Pedro, a, a hundred times over. The Rock immediately does what? It just like sinks. 
<laughs> it sinks. Unfortunately, but it's the, it just straight up sinks. It's the eyebrow. I mean, it's the bald guy. It's the wrestler. It's the actor. It's it's the rock. I mean, he's the rock. Mm-hmm. I, I don't. And just you, give me. You want to hear something, Brock? I kind of agree with you. Oh. I'm not into the rock. La Piedra, yes. Yes. Right. And play me a little, uh, you know, Unchained Melody for sure. But I'm not. I'm not with the Rock either. Good. I don't. I don't. Love La Piedra. The rock. I love that. That, yeah. that works. Leave it there. The English translation for but me. The Rock. The somewhere. Rock already is out there. You know, smelling you, what he's cooking. You jabronis. Yeah, I, I don't jabronis. need that. Yeah, that was, need that. Uh-huh. You sound very comfortable saying that. Thank you. My ode to Luis. That has nothing to do with the Rock. See, it's just part no. of it. But then fit. Maybe. Because who knows what that means? Not me. The Rock. No, thank you. No Rock. No Rock. We'll be right back. Give you uh, one wonderful, wonderful ranking that Mora worked very hard on today. It's Brock and Salk. Seattle Sports on 710salesports.com this hour. Brought to you by 3010 Weight Loss for Life. You're listening to Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, we're going to get right into this because we've got a large category today. So, Mora, let's start doing some ranking. Wait, what? Rank. Rank. Got a list? Time to put it in order. Fred Dwarmfor's house. Top five. Top five meals that I have ever had. This is Ranked. To be honest, that list was really biased. Brought to you by Carter Volkswagen. Every morning at 945 on Brock and Saw. Yeah, top ten list. I'm not buying that. Ranked. Oh, my God. I got a huge list today, Brock. We are ranking flies. Flies ranked. Because ranked. Justin, why are we ranking flies? Don't worry about it. We're talking about taking a flyer. There were some uh, home run calls that we heard. There's there's quite a few things that led into this. Like, uh, we're all still fly, Brock. Throw my money spent, but that's okay, because I'm still fly. For instance, you also got the uh, PF flyers from the Sandlot. Even when Benny brought out the secret weapon. Yes. Shoes guaranteed to make a kid run faster and jump higher. PF Flyers. Wow. Oh, what a moment. Those are great. From, moment. Uh, from a baseball comedy to a golf comedy. Bless this ship and all who sail on her. I christen thee the Flying Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> Caddyshack's the best. It's, a, it's an absurd movie to watch later. It is. So thinking uh, or sticking with movies, how about The Fly? Hush, little baby, don't you cry. Just because your dad was the fly. Yeah. Jeff Goldblum. Uncomfortable. Yeah. That that voice, Poltergeist in The Wicked Witch. And they used to run those commercials on the radio when I was a kid all the time. Scared the you-know-what out of me. No, thank you. You know, Seriously, right? poll, poll question. All right, poll Scariest question. voice. Poltergeist Scariest woman. Voice? Poltergeist woman, that woman, or the witch? Wicked Witch of the West. I, think I was going to say Wicked Witch of the West. I was just listening to some Wizard of Oz trying to get Fly My Pretties, and the sound was like, oh, Fly My, oh, Poltergeist gosh. is pretty scary, dude. Grossing me out. I'm out on Poltergeist, 100%. <laughs> Yes, we got the Foo Fighters learn to fly. You're Pink Floyd guy, Justin. I'm a huge Pink Floyd guy. I could see that. Shine on you, that makes diamond. Sense. How do you feel about the flies? 
I kind of confess, I love the song. I'll listen to the song whenever it's on, and I have it on various different playlists. One hit wonder. Sounds like yes. the '90s. It, yeah. it is. It just sounds like. I think this is the video with so, uh, Katie Holmes in it too. Okay, question, Justin, yeah. especially. So, you may be an ancillary uh, answer to this. These one hit wonders. Yeah. They make money. Like, do they sustain? Like, how much money did that song? Those people. How much do they? Mm, over not, the years, not really. Really? Yeah. I mean, they can. They're not destitute, but they're. I don't think it's like sustaining you. You got to yeah. like tour and make album after album to really make money. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether Owl City is going to be on that list or not. You would not believe your eyes if ten million fires. Yeah, this song got a lot of play. It is, you know, Brock. To answer your question, a lot of those songs end up getting used in like commercials and they get royalties. That helps. Oh, yeah. so okay. Some of those do work. Has this one been in a commercial? There's another one hit wonder. Hello, sixth grade. Little Crazy Town. That's an also sneaky karaoke hit. One of my least favorite bands of the 90s. You've got Offspring. And all the girls say I'm pretty fly. Yeah, I can't stand that guy's voice. From one of my least favorite bands to one of my favorites. Rush. Love his voice, though. Not my top five today. Rush is an honorable mention. I know. How about that? It's a very, very tough category. Frank Sinatra couldn't crack the top five. Fly me to the moon. That's right. Nor what? could Curtis Mayfield. I know. Very, very tough one, as I said. Hard to get into this. Mm. Does this make the, the top? No, that doesn't make it. No. Speaking of right, Eagles, neither right. does Steve Miller Band. Crack the top five. The Philadelphia wow. Flyers, Fly on the wow. Wall, Flywheel, <laughs> Madam Butterfly, I'm Flying from Peter Pan doesn't even make it. Yeah, this is a very a fly leaf. Oh, I love that. Band. I know. They didn't make it. Brock, I have some. Uh, mm. Don't I have Fly Away Home in here somewhere? The movie? We're going to fly now. I have that Rocky cut. Here's a little Rocky for you, Brock. going to fly now. this in the top five. Nope. Okay, so this is exhausting. Number five. As usual. Number <laughs> Number five, Brock, uh-huh. is a tie between Fly Away uh. and He is deaf to flying things. His name is Franklin Gutierrez. Yes, a yes. tie, a Dave Niehaus style tie. And soon the no fly zone for Julio. Yes. That's number five? Yeah. Do you even like sports? Tough category. (laughs) Tough category, as I said. Number four, local. Staying local, Brock, here in Seattle. Allison Chains, Jar of Flies. Every, yes, every, every song on that album is perfect. Yes, more. It. Oh, I just said, eh. What do you mean, what? eh? You're no. eh-ing Alice in Chains? No. You know what I'm yes. thinking? You know, you yes, said something earlier, Salk. Every once in a while, you say something brilliant. I don't like that. Yeah, and you said this become a show of like two on two. Yeah. I'm I'm envisioning down You're the road some charitable events. 
Yeah, people can come to and, you know, like two on two, more and I and pickleball versus you and Justin. Two on two, more and I and hoops versus you and Justin. Two on two, top golf, more and I, you and Justin. All right, just as long as there's no basketball. Oh, there's going to be hoops. Justin and I are going to be at a disadvantage. Moore's got her Dikembe Mutombo fingers. All right, number three. (laughs) Missy. Told you it was a tough category. I feel like you're still trying to make up for your Missy take. I know. A few weeks ago. But everybody loves Missy, so she's on the list. What can I tell you? Number two. Well, if Tom Petty's on here, he's probably at number two. Alright, that is number two. Flies ranked. Number one, mm. not a song today, Maura. Oh, you're missing Whoa. one then. Not a Whoa. song today. Whoa. What Whoa. am I missing? Oh. Yeah. I, it's true. I don't want to miss Sugar Ray. Or uh, a fly away on my Zephyr, which I know Justin loves. Yes, I know. No, fly, number one is from a movie. Hey, McFly! Hey, I'm talking to you, McFly, you Irish bug. Oh man, you Irish bug. Vicious from Biff. The whole McFly family, McFly. Marty, yeah. yeah, George, the whole group. Unexpected. I didn't. I thought you were going to let that one leave. Nope. No way. Mm. Back to the Future, number one. What can I mm. tell you? All right, there you go. Geno Smith going to be on with Bump and Stacey at eleven thirty. John Schneider later today at six o'clock. We will be back tomorrow morning. G. Scott's back in the building. We'll find out what's wrong with his neck. We'll give the people what they want. Whew, what a day! I'm exhausted. We gotta go. We got. It's time to uh, take a nap. Time to fly. See ya. Goodbye. Fly, fly away. Bumping Stacy up next. The hey, Barnes. Hey everybody. This is the chopper.